movie marks. There were wrestlers in films before 1989, and there have certainly been wrestlers in films after 1989. But for an entire generation, one film was the launching point for young fans to realize that these men and women that we see in the ring could enter into other forms of entertainment beyond the ring. Well, in this case, it was still in the ring, but you know what I mean. <laughs> we're the movie marks, and today we're dropping the leg on No Holds Barred, <laughs> starring Hulk Hogan and the true hero, Zeus. <laughs> Welcome to the Movie Marks, the podcast where we discuss movies starring professional wrestlers who act like amateurs. I'm Chris Sacco, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner, the big daddy cool to my heartbreak kid, Chris Kramer. Yes, thank you. I do often wear chaps, so that makes sense. <laughs> well, they both wore chaps. <laughs> oh, that's right, that's true. That was a very chaps-based team. Yes, uh, well, both Movie Marks alums, so no-brainer yes. that they had to be included at some point. Unfortunately, not much left for HBK. I don't think he's been in a whole lot other than the one that's in the picture of our show that we'll never do. <laughs> um, bite your tongue. We will be doing that. <laughs> Before I let you talk about the iconic No Holds Barred, uh, we have some listener feedback to get to. Exciting. And and this is uh, not about any of our episodes or even really the show in general, but but someone named Jason wrote in to talk about the listener feedback section itself which is meta on a level I'm not ready for. Oh, boy. And uh, his message was, you should name this segment You've Got Mail, like the movie. So I don't know if he knows what our show is about. I don't know if he's ever seen You Got Mail, because our show is not like that movie. I don't know if he knows what AOL is, because that seems like the more <laughs> obvious tie-in to that. So thank you, Jason. Is this someone that listened to our show and somehow only managed to jump all the way to this segment and then that's it? <laughs> I mean, maybe he's just he's just a really big mark for random write-ins. I don't I don't I can't. Oh, that is so it. weird. With that being said, let's start a podcast where we only read listener feedback and that's what the entire show is about. <laughs> so you know we'll be like what a dr ruth or whatever yeah it'll just be <laughs> like... people telling us about the last show about listener feedback <laughs> so i i think that's a, a a nice way to start off our no holds barred episode that makes about as much sense as this movie <laughs> so i guess we should get into this then <laughs> oh yeah i'm i'm waiting <laughs> okay <laughs> well no Holds Barred, uh, 1989, directed by Thomas J. Wright. Just so you know, Thomas J. Wright was a TV director, and this was his only feature film. <laughs> you can see why he was re-banished to TV. He's actually had a decent TV career. He worked forever, but no one ever let him get close to a film again. You know, you know what? Uh, I don't know if you were going to bring this up, but th this movie is basically the first WWE Studios film. And it's weird because when it starts, it, it opens with the WWE Scratch logo since, like, you know, it's a yeah. they still have the rights. It just looks off being against this movie. Yeah, I think the original distributor was New Line Cinema, correct? Oh, I most likely was, which is another, you know, the house that Freddie built. Well, but okay, yeah, so at least we're talking about movies this time because we're going off on a tangent here. But <laughs> it's, it's it was a weird 
deal back then that it was produced by a studio, but WWF owned all of the rights to the film, which is wild. That does not happen anymore. Oh, yeah, that would never happen. So it's really strange, and that's why, you know, the, obviously the copies we got, they were when they remastered it and re-released it, and so they, they stuck their own logo on it. But it's really wild that <laughs> that basically this was the first in-house production of the WWF. It's interesting. It sure was, and, and a lot of people are very hands-on with this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Very rarely do we mention the writers of a movie on this show, but this movie was written by a man, a man named Dennis Hacken, and the, I only bring him up because, <laughs> from all accounts, this movie was completely rewritten by Vince and Hulk over a weekend <laughs> in a hotel room. <laughs> I just would love to have known what that like 48 hours was of just the two of them not leaving a hotel room, trying to deciding that this was the best version of the film that they were making. <laughs> I'm going to play devil's advocate and say that 47 of those hours, they forgot they were supposed to be writing a movie. <laughs> and then, then in the last 57 minutes, they put something together. All right. So our film actually starts with Mean Gene and the returning to our show, Jesse the Body Ventura. That's right. Discussing a WWF match. Because in this world, the WWF is still existing. And the announcers are the people you know from the WWF. But for some reason, the wrestlers have different names, and that makes no sense to me. It, it made absolutely no... Like, he's ba he's playing Hulk Hogan. Why isn't he just Hulk Hogan? I don't get 100%. it. 100%. He is Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I, I don't understand any... It just doesn't make any sense to me. It's, it's really strange. Yeah, so here we meet Hulk Hogan, who is playing Rip Rogers. <laughs> That's great. It's, oh, sure. I love that we are introduced to him just basically a silhouette of him growling and yelling with the most extreme close-up you could have. Yeah, this the foaming out the mouth was <laughs> was extreme. It, I didn't understand why that was part of his <laughs> character. <laughs> and it's, it's great because you'll find out watching this movie, that is almost his entire acting in this movie, almost for most of the people in this movie. Yes. And we have this, was clearly filmed at like a WWF house show at the time. So it's awkward seeing him come out in this blue and white uh, rip outfit, yelling rip him over and over again, just <laughs> on a loop. <laughs> He's also wearing the, the, it's the winged eagle belt, the most famous world belt in WWF, but it's got a white strap, which is just bizarre to see him with that. Yeah, it's, it's you know that they if that was now, they'd be selling that. I'm surprised they haven't tried to sell that one. Oh, they do sell that one because that's- Oh, do they? Yes, because the warrior ended up wearing that as one of his oh, like, rainbow right. of did. belts. But so I don't know why Hogan has it in this movie. Yeah, it is weird. I don't know if it was made for the movie and then Warrior. It's it's super strange. Hogan never wore that in the actual promotion. I'm also, <laughs> and we're going to get into this. The, the The movie is about basically a television promoter. <laughs> so is WWF a channel in this world or is it a wrestling promotion? This is pre-network. It was the network if it was the only network. <laughs> I don't know. This movie takes place in, I, I would like to say, an alternate reality that right. makes no sense because <laughs> right. things that happen in this movie don't happen in real life whatsoever. <laughs> well, and of course, this is one of the classic films we do where wrestling is real. Of course, 100%. Yes. So real that it, it it's, we'll get to it. But it's yes. very real. <laughs> so Rip's heading to the ring. He's accompanied by his uh, brother Randy and Charlie, his his ring man. 
During his entrance, Mean Gene says that Rip and Randy are very close because their parents are dead. Okay, Gene. I don't know why you brought that up. <laughs> wait up, wait up. Real downer, Gene. It was so bizarre. Just, they're so close because their parents are dead. All right. <laughs> Uh, Rip is about to defend his title against Jake Bullet, who he's been dodging. Uh, Jake <laughs> is played by Bill Eady, a.k.a. Demolition Axe. That's right. And for some reason, he has, like, Beavis and Butthead hair in this scene. <laughs> and and eye makeup. <laughs> well, it's 100% to make sure people couldn't identify him as Axe, because <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, I will say during all this, because since this is taking place inside of an arena that they had a WWF show at, it's nice seeing people here. It's nice seeing the old WWF logo is pretty cool. Yes. Takes you back. This match isn't bad. It's your standard, you know, yeah, no, 1980s Hogan match. Yeah. Uh, he makes easy work of of Jake Bullet. Axe. Axe. Sorry. <laughs> It's weird, though, because for some reason, instead of using the leg drop, which I guess we've yeah. decided was not good enough for a feature film, Rip uses a running double axe handle um, yeah. as his finisher, which is actually what Hogan would use in Japan as a finish. Really? Yeah, the axe bomber. <laughs> huh, I did not know that. Interesting. This match is going on, and as it's going on, it is cut back and forth between a boardroom where we meet the big bad of our movie, uh, Brell. He's a TV executive, and he's played by God-tier character actor, Kurt Fuller. Ah, <laughs> oh, Kurt Fuller. Fuller's great. Fuller, if you look at his IMDb, he's got over 200 acting credits. Wow. He's been in so much. I most know him from Ghostbusters 2. Right. This conference room, too, is about 30 people deep. <laughs> it is just a wild amount of people watching this. And the entire time he's watching, he's talking about how he hopes Rip loses so that the competition will go away, which is another network. It makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, early on, my thought was, is this TV network thing really the plot of the movie? Because WWF is not a TV network. I don't understand. I, I just I couldn't connect the two disparate worlds of this movie into a cohesive plot it just didn't no, make sense to me especially because at 1989 when you know i was watching wrestling you were watching wrestling yeah wwf was literally on tv every week for maybe two hours yeah that's it so it wasn't wasn't anchoring a network and he also his animus is not really directed at a network or the WWF. His animus is directed at sort of the concept of getting viewers. <laughs> it's very strange. I don't know what his driving factor is. I don't think he does either. Because he... Okay, Especially this is absurd that we're talking about this. But he doesn't even have a wrestling show at this point. No, he just hates, hates him. He doesn't even hate him. He just hates the fact that he doesn't have more viewers. So he's watching this wrestling show, and it's not as though he has Nitro on the other network. He's just like, I want him to lose so we get some of those viewers. But we don't even know what his network is. <laughs> the, the, uh, what's, the important part of this scene, Chris, is that we make sure that we get over Brell saying jockass every time he talks about <laughs> Rip. That's his big burn is calling this man jockass over and what? over again throughout the what? film. 
is that? That's not a thing. No one has ever said that. No, it can't be a thing. Did they think it was a thing? I, <laughs> I rewound it because I, I, what is he saying? Jock ass. <laughs> Uh, so we're watching this match. Obviously, Rip wins. He's really getting this uh, rip him hand signal over, which is just like a slight variation on like the hang loose surfer yeah. hand signal. Yes. And he does it at every moment. He has a free time. If he's not doing something, he's throwing up this hand signal rip. <laughs> so we get to the next day, I guess. I don't know. We're at a board meeting at the World Television Network that Brell works for. Worst sure. name ever. I don't know how generic you could have made this. <laughs> and he's basically talking about how this one wrestling show is destroying his entire network. <laughs> They're brainstorming all these ideas to get ratings. One woman says a sitcom, to which Brell gets so mad he tells her to go take a leak. And she starts crying. <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah. I, I, had, said, I had to rewind that. No, he goes, go take a leak. <laughs> I thought he said, go take a, go take a leap, like go take a flying leap. No, but, it was leak. Uh, that's fine. Uh, you know, I'm not doubting it because he also calls people jockass. So who knows what he's saying? <laughs> During this, this meeting, too, I guess we kind of learned that Rip is so well known throughout the world that like these people know about the fact that his word and his bond and he'll never leave the WWF or the other network since we don't know what any of that means. Yeah. Like they what is evidently might have talked to him before. I don't know. It makes no sense. Yeah. This is bizarre on another level, what we're about to see. <laughs> it just, it just, it just is. It keeps getting weirder and weirder. Oh, it sure does. Because now evidently Rip has been invited to the world television network for a meeting with Brill. Why? He's dressed like a Las Vegas pirate when he gets there, which is my favorite <laughs> yeah, thing. The, the the outfits they have him wear are are shockingly bizarre. They're all uh, he has... all spandex <laughs> and it like they're tank tops that match the pants and the bandana. It's all very <laughs> weird. It's all tight, super tight spandex, and he's wearing this outfit no matter what the scene calls for, which we will get to later when he tries to be dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Brill brings in uh, Rip for this meeting. He offers him a blank check. This is the worst negotiating ever because he basically just hands him a blank check. Rip doesn't want it. And then Brill just starts yelling at him. And he starts getting handsy with him. Oh, yeah. He starts pushing him. <laughs> what are you doing? And and what is the point of So you're offering him money to do what? He's a wrestler. Wrestling is real. He's the champion somewhere else. What are you what are you courting him for? Brill shoves him and this gets Rip so angry that he crumbles up the check, shoves it in Brill's mouth, <laughs> says I won't be here when that clears. So we got a, our first shit joke. Mind you, I said our first shit joke of <laughs> oh, the movie. No. And th and this is the best one. <laughs> <laughs> On his way out the door, Rip stops, turns around, throws up the Rip'em hand sign to the two <laughs> lackeys that Brill always has with him, and leaves. Yeah, well, you know, he's, he's got, just in case there were any paparazzi there, he's got to make sure he hits that. <laughs> but the good thing is, is that Brill had planned for this, because since this negotiation went bad, the limo driver kidnaps Rip. <laughs> Kramer, what the fuck is this next scene? <laughs> what? It... What is going on? What was the plan? 
So they <laughs> offered him money, and then the plan B was to murder him? Yes. What is happening? Well, as, as we notice also going through this movie, Brill is goes right off the deep end with his plans half the time. <laughs> half the time? In our experience <laughs> with him, it is 100% of the time. <laughs> he has escalated from, I really want this talent, to murder. Murder. <laughs> also, this limo that they have on call has buttons that create like a cell prison in the back <laughs> of the limo, complete with like indestructible metal. Why does a TV network have this? Also, you know, this isn't the first time they've had to use it. He probably yes. had to kill like a children's show host in the back of this at some point. <laughs> This is how Alf met his end. Yeah. Captain <laughs> Kangaroo won't sign. Take his throat. <laughs> so this limo driver locks Rip in the back of this limo, and Rip starts beating up the limo from the inside, where he's <laughs> yeah. kicking it so hard that the limo driver can't control the vehicle. It's it doesn't make any sense. And we just get this scene of the limo driver who can't control this driving through whatever standard movie things you drive through, you know, people with crates, random, yeah. like, random wooden, like, you know, toll booth things, just <laughs> yeah. whatever's available. And they eventually get to this abandoned warehouse, which I guess was the place they were heading the entire time, because there's like six thugs in there waiting to murder Rip. Yeah, no, they're going to dismember his body and put him in a barrel. That's what they're about to do. Oh, but you know why they don't do it? Because Rip launches out of the roof of this limousine <laughs> like he's the incredible fucking Hulk. He <laughs> clears it by about eight feet in the air. <laughs> uh, that That's an iconic scene right there. It's so good. And he proceeds to beat up all these thugs. The entire acting done by Rip at this point... Is just him going, ha, 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 grr, ha, 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 ha. That's it. That's it for about a solid 10 minutes. The growling is is just the worst. These, um, There's a lot of scenes like this where just people run at Hogan and he beats them up. These are aggravatingly the best parts of the movie. <laughs> that's the best like, way to put it. They're not good, but it's like, okay, that's kind of cool. He's chucking some people around. At least that's kind of neat. Uh, this also, if you've seen this film, you know that this is a classic scene for what's about yeah. to happen. <laughs> yeah, I did. I I didn't know this was going to happen. I you did you did not remember this? This is I haven't seen this movie in thirty years, and I I didn't <laughs> I didn't know this happened. So <laughs> after all of this fighting, Rip manages to finally get the limo driver who has been <laughs> quivering in fear this entire time. He's not capable of handling Rip. No, no. Rip pulls him from the limo, and the first shot you get of him is the back of his pants covered in what's supposed to be shit, but is just wet yeah, and giant. I don't know. This man evacuated all fluids from his body. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Rip has him in the air, makes a sniffing face, you know, like moving his nose yeah. up and down, yeah. and goes, what's that smell? To we then receive the classic... I couldn't comprehend what I was seeing. I had no idea it was coming. I thought it was dumb enough that he, because when it, like you said, when he comes out, it looks more like pee than it does poop. And and then he says dookie. 
And and then what's the what's the response from our hero? <laughs> I don't remember. What was it? <laughs> Rip looks at him and says, "Dookie." <laughs> <laughs> so this is clearly where Green Day got the inspiration for their album. Oh yeah, that this immediately started writing in the theater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't know any of this. I mean, I understand why it's iconic. I did not know that this was going to happen. <laughs> And of course, my note my note is what the fuck. <laughs> so I mean, I saw this movie as a kid. I'm sure a lot of kids saw this movie in 1989. I mean, it's Hulk Hogan. He was an icon to children back then. Sure as hell isn't yep. one now. Nope. <laughs> far far different person than what we thought he was. Yeah, piece of shit. But anyway, piece of dookie. <laughs> piece of dookie. But, <laughs> but um, a lot of kids saw this movie. This movie's not for kids. It's not. I don't. I don't. We were talking about this off air. I don't know if I saw this in theaters. I was. I was kind of young, um, and it might be because maybe some of the reviews said that this is not for kids. Because I I saw it when it came out, you know, on home video and all that. But right, this is not a kids movie. So I don't know if that was known. Like the reviews said, oh, keep your kids away from you know this Dookie stain film or whatever. <laughs> so Rip immediately goes from this assault that he lived through to another meeting, which because he's wearing the same pirate outfit. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I mean, how did he get there? Did he walk? Because he's in a warehouse on the pier, about to be executed. Didn't call the cops or anything. Just went around. Went, no. went on him. Oh no! Just so you know, a lot of people should be calling the cops in this movie. No one ever does. The, yeah. the things that happened in this movie are the woman who was told to go take a leak earlier should have been on the phone with the police. Maybe they could have prevented this whole thing. <laughs> so he meets, he goes to this meeting where he meets his new account executive. I don't even know what that means. I thought he was at the other network. This wasn't a WWF building. I don't know what this was. Yeah, th- this, I guess, I honestly, I can't answer it, but I, I guess this is the other network that is unnamed that has WWF programming. And for some reason, he's the most popular person on Earth, but he needs, like, a brand advisor or something. Yeah, it's weird. Because her whole role is every scene she's saying, oh, well, we need to get you more popular. That's, I mean, I don't know what she is. I, I don't know what she's paying attention to because Rip, wherever he goes, is loved by everyone. That is correct. <laughs> we meet the account executive, Samantha, played by Joan Severance. Um, yep. She's had a decent enough career. Uh, since you are a weirdo who always knows things that people are in that no one has seen, I guess yep. you know her best from being in the Black Scorpion TV movies? Uh, no, I don't. I know her from something else. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> she was in See No Evil, Hear No Evil, the Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor comedy, which of course ties into <laughs> our Kane episode, See No Evil. <laughs> so it's it's a six degrees of uh, movie markdom. <laughs> Uh, Rip is immediately inappropriate with her in this boardroom, so that's great. Yep, one of, that's our hero, folks, 100%. Yep, that, he... <laughs> oh, I'm going to cut that one. You have um, to, we're going to get sued. <laughs> yeah, no, that one's definitely getting cut. <laughs> the This movie is does not age well for a lot of reasons, and the most glaring to me was how the women are portrayed in this movie. And I say women because I think there's only two female characters. One was told to go to the bathroom earlier. And then we have this (laughs) Sam character. It is 
disrespectful and they're made to look weak. It's it's all so uncomfortable. This movie was hard to watch. I mean, literally find to watch, which this could be a reason why, because this movie does not age well. WWE Studios controls their films like Disney does. At some which point, is insane. Yeah, at some point, these things go into a vault and no one can find them, which is wild. <laughs> you know, this was made in 1989, so obviously, you know, women were not handled great back then overall in society and in movies. We know that. But this feels like it was made in the 50s with the way they treat women. Oh, 100%. Yeah, there's literally one woman in this movie, a character who is in multiple scenes who never says a word. Right. She hangs out with Rip's like brother. Yeah. This blonde oh, woman yeah. who never says a word, doesn't even have a name, but she's in like every scene with him. It's it's really strange. Anyway, back to this piece of shit. <laughs> Dookie. <laughs> Rip and Samantha agree to go out uh to dinner to discuss business, of course. Wait, Kramer, uh, Kramer, we... Kramer. Yes. What the f- what the f- So they're dating now? They're in a boardroom and she's like we need to work on your image. And then she's like, well, why don't we talk about it over dinner? Somewhere nice. Like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> it's the 80s. No one can keep their hands off of, <laughs> of, off a rip. <laughs> so, uh, so they go to this dinner. This scene's really just dumb. But the weirdest thing about this scene is it's a f- fancy French restaurant, I guess, that is clearly inside of a church that they just repurposed. It was really bizarre. That was very bizarre. This is the first time in this movie we see him without the bandana, too. I, I thought he was going to wear it to the fancy dinner, but... He should have. A nice white one to go with his white suit. <laughs> Capper on this scene is that the joke is that they keep saying, oh, he's a brute, he would know all this stuff, but then it turns out he's a regular and knows everything. And then we get to hear Hogan do uh, an awful French ordering of an <laughs> item, which is great. Uh, God. So, yeah. Luckily, we're going to to switch up our location now from this fancy restaurant. Oh, God. And we head to this bizarre bar that only exists basically in Bartertown from Mad Max. <laughs> because it's it's a giant cement warehouse that's oh a bar God. where people have parked full on like semi trucks inside of it. There's little people locked in cages hanging from yeah. the ceiling. And and folks, this scene is long it's most of the movie yeah it's the next 25 minutes of the movie yes the way you say that like i was watching this and i thought to myself in all honesty hogan's not in this movie that much hogan just he he has like two or three scenes the the movie is carried by kurt fuller (laughs) which is even better because i read an article that kurt fuller pretends he never made this movie (laughs) it is hard to understand why So we're in this bar that has just unsanctioned fights in the middle of it that everyone just sits around and hoots and hollers at. Uh, Burl and his sidekicks have come here to scout talent because they need their their professional wrestling show. So they're in this bar. Um, everyone is, you know, super gritty and, and rude. And, you know, they're just your standard yuppies of the 80s. So, you know, we're getting all those jokes going off. Also here, and this is one of the most bizarre casting choices in this yes, movie. Yes, it is. It is. Go for it. <laughs> we meet the the waitress's brother is there, who's also one of these. He's no no nonsense bare knuckle fighters, and he's played by Stan Hansen. Sure is. <laughs> Why? 
Stan Hansen has never had a WWF run. But isn't he very good friends with Hogan? He is, but it's just bizarre. Like, I had to make sure. He's had three appearances in the WWF over the years, and they were all one-offs at, like, house shows. No, it's definitely weird. But regardless, Hogan had the pull to get him, because this is a pretty significant part he's in, too. He's in it almost as much as Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's he's in it a lot. And he, he's actually had, like, not a big acting career, but he has done other films. So look forward to more Stan Hansen on this show down the road. <laughs> I like Stan Hansen. I do, too. I love those old WCW or just all the all the chew falling out of his mouth where oh. Missy Hyatt's interviewing him. Oh, that's so disgusting. <laughs> That's <laughs> so gross. So, anyway, Stan Hansen gets in the ring. He's fighting. This is where where Brill gets this idea that they need to focus on tough guys, real angry, you know, you know, like real outlaw type people. Yep. Sure. We get a very long scene where Brill's two sidekicks have to go to the bathroom that goes on forever. Yeah. What's the What's the bathroom called in this world, Kramer? Oh, in this room, it is known as the VD room. I mean, why? <laughs> Why? Well, I like the fact that they had to go to the bathroom and literally walk by a guy peeing in the hallway outside the bathroom also. I can't I I can't describe. I mean, I should have ran a clock on it. But once you're so far into it, you, you know, I'm not I'm not going back. I can't explain to listeners how long this scene is. It goes on for so long. There's all these dialogue exchanges that don't make any sense. There, we watch these two, not even Kurt Fuller guys, go pee, and then one of them gets distracted and he pees on the other one by accident. I don't know why any of this is happening. No, there's no, there's a random dog chained inside the bathroom. Yeah, what is that? And and, and I, I also want to stress that I can't discern what the plan even is for Kurt Fuller and his team. <laughs> So he tried to kill Hogan. There was no repercussions from that. Instead of cutting his losses, now is he recruiting more talent to kill? It's revealed he wants a, a separate TV show, but why did he go here to the to the Roadhouse set? I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this scene basically just exists so that Stan Hansen can re-enter the film by hearing these two men talk trash about all of the men all of the people that go to this bar and it's only there so stan hansen can then look at both of their penises extremely close <laughs> he leans all the way in looks at both of them and says it's not worth fighting them because they have tiny penises and that's the scene all right so all that was for what would come next and that's where brill announces at a press conference that we're going to have battle of the tough guys worst name for a show ever yep Did, didn't run that through the marketing department huh brill just, just, nope. just type first thought. Just typed it out. Uh, it will be for a hundred thousand dollars tax free, which he says tax free quite a lot to drive that home for some reason. <laughs> Get a extremely small montage of assorted tough guys, uh, you know, truck drivers, guy playing pool, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And now we go back to where we are filming the. <clears throat> Battle of the Tough Guys <laughs> at this bar where we meet Brock Chisler, Bulldog McPherson, and Klondike <laughs> Kramer. No relation. <laughs> this fight starts. It's just three men fighting each other. There really seems to be no rhyme or reason. The network has cleaned up this bar so it could be suitable for TV, I guess. 
Yeah, I, I don't understand why any of this is happening. <laughs> and during this fight, all of a sudden, the giant metal door, because evidently half of this building is Fort Knox, it has like <laughs> a garage door made out of solid steel, <laughs> is knocked down, and we are me- we are here to see the hero, <laughs> Zeus, played by the legendary, this movie is full of these guys, Tiny... Lester, a.k.a. Debo from Friday. <laughs> that is movie Mark's alum. He's been in, what, four or five of our movies now. This is a solid, like, callback for us. Yeah, it's it's stacked. What what is What does Zeus do as soon as we're introduced to him, Kramer? Uh, murder a waitress? Yep, yep. Grabs her by the <laughs> skull and drops her about 15 feet to her death. So, just immediately, <laughs> this is how we meet this character. They do nothing to help this man because they also give him a unibrow in this film where they shave off 25% of it? Yes, and it's and it's uh it's shaped like a V. Yeah. Which is not even is not even his name. So it, it like it no. comes to a point in the middle of his nose. And it's missing part of it too. It's so yes, bizarre. On the side, yes. And then he's bald with Z just in hair on one side. Like you want this guy to be threatening, but you're going like above and beyond to make him look cartoonish. <laughs> The Z, I was kind of into. That was kind of cool. Uh, Zeus immediately enters the ring, defeats all of these bums, and Brill is extremely excited. He's he's like half hard right now for this guy. Evidently, for some reason, Rip is also watching this back at the Rip Estate because because <laughs> Rip lives inside like an old country cottage. On, like, <laughs> yeah, that set is really strange. <laughs> it's, it's the most. It looks like the house from Family Ties. <laughs> It does. And they're watching it on the smallest TV in the history of TVs. <laughs> it's smaller than like an iPhone. It's so tiny. And they're just they're all like crowded around it. Yep. Here we learn that uh, Charlie rips a uh, corner man once used to train Zeus before Zeus killed somebody. OK. Yeah, he killed someone in the ring. This Charlie character is the most underutilized character in the history of film. <laughs> They want you to think he's important, but he has like one and a half lines of dialogue and neither of them are interesting. It's so yeah. weird. And he's another he, character actor that I we see all the time. He he's basically like Mick to Rocky, but for right. Rip, but with zero of the importance. No, he's got three lines of dialogue. None of them make sense. We don't know why any of these people are at I, I my note is that Hogan or Rip is watching this show. With a bunch of characters that we've never met. Exactly. I mean, his brother is there, Randy, but yeah. But they're just like, why Why is this 40-year-old world champion sitting on a couch with his younger brother, his younger brother's <laughs> friend, his girlfriend, and this trainer? What is happening at this house? Well, Chris, ever since their parents died, they've become very close. <laughs> Thanks, uh, Thanks, Mean Gene. <laughs> That's why he said it at the beginning of the film. That's so weird. This, this episode is going to be so long. <laughs> well, I have to cut out all the legal stuff, so. That's fine. It's most of this episode then. <laughs> we have Zeus as the winner. It's on the front page of every sports page in America for some reason, because, again, this is a world where wrestling is the most important thing on Earth. Well, well, this isn't even wrestling. Did you write down the headline that, that was on the front page of the newspapers? I did not write it down, no. Okay, here it is. A great movie headline. I love these. 
It says, quote, ex-con Zeus, colon, thriller or killer. (laughs) 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 That'll sell papers. So Brill's in the office. He's excited. Zeus is going to be his meal ticket to either. So I don't understand here. Zeus might be bigger than goddamn Rip. So now you make money, but he still wants Rip. I don't understand any of this. Yeah, because he also they also never explicitly stay say like this is now a revenge plot. He seems to still want to sign Rip, but he's got the number one TV show and Zeus is a megastar. Just do your own thing. Yeah, go go, go full just... Ted Turner. I mean, what's the difference? <laughs> they they go over that they got telegrams. Yes, telegrams. Everyone. What a about? I mean. <laughs> This is 1989. That's even that's still weird. This is what I mean. Was this movie written in the 50s? What is this? <laughs> they go. We have all these telegrams from people that are offended by Zeus and his violence. Okay, <laughs> sure. Hey, boss, the Pony Express is blowing up about our show. What? What is this? Mister Brill, we got word. Dot 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 dash 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 dot 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 dash. <laughs> Everyone hates Zeus. <laughs> Thriller, stop or stop. Killer, stop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get more Zeus beating up uh, really dirty fat guys, which is most of the his part of this movie. Better name for their show: Zeus beating up really dirty fat guys. <laughs> who who was one of those dirty fat guys? Oh, who did I did I miss somebody? I don't know. I think you did. You missed the star of Batman and Robin, Jeep Swenson. Was one of oh, them. was it cheap? Oh God! He's uh he he's in more than one scene. He's uh what was his name like Ludwrench or something? Oh, he was he was Lugwrench Perkins because I wrote <laughs> yes, that down. Yeah. <laughs> so you wrote down Lugwrench Perkins. Well, yeah, I was concerned because they were fighting in a steel mill where there's just fire and and melting steel pouring everywhere. OSHA violations left and right. So is, is the premise of this show that Zeus just goes places and beats people up? Or do they have a set? Because like you said, they end up in like a foundry where they're like <laughs> making like tanks for the military. And oh, yeah. he's beating the no. shit out of a guy with a wrench. <laughs> yeah. No, Zeus is murdering a man while the <laughs> while the Terminate, the T-800 is lowered into a pool in the background. <laughs> It's I I don't understand. And also, I I have this note later, but I'll talk about it now. How what length of time would you say this movie takes place over? Oh, it is either a week or four years. <laughs> That's what I said. It seems to be ten days, but there's so much happening that they Zeus has wrestled apparently like forty tough guys at this point. But it's but Hogan's always wearing the same clothes. <laughs> it's, it's so crazy. So we see this and then immediately go back to Rip Manor for the uh, the romantic portion of our film to continue. Oh, God, this this romance. <laughs> Where Rip now has to go on a business trip with Samantha for some reason. Yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I, what, are, what are you talking about? Go ahead. I don't, <laughs> whatever. They're, why is he on a business trip? Of all the they're, things to put, send him on. They're on a business trip. They're driving away in a limo together. Uh I don't know where they're going. There's no rhyme or there's no one saying what the destination is. Nope. Evidently, the destination is a diner on the side of a road somewhere because <laughs> that's where they end up. And of course, everyone in the diner knows Rip because he's a man of the people. That's right. And of course, while we're there, two guys come in to rob the diner. Kramer, it's another <laughs> diner robbery scene. <laughs> this is, every movie we do has so one of these. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
a secret podcast. I think this is our third diner robbery we've done. <laughs> oh, God. I think at least almost like every other episode has a diner robbery. <laughs> it's, it's you know, I'm going to start, forget wrestlers and movies. I'm now going to only be targeting movies with diner robbery scenes. <laughs> Have you included the the uh, the Bounty Hunters uh, diner fight? <laughs> that, the main, main event had a diner robbery. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, pizza man <laughs> that's right we, we, it's great great Fa- favorite scene in the movie snake snake eater three <laughs> dot 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 his war <laughs> his law his law oh i don't even know anymore these movies are they're ruining my mind <laughs> it is it is pretty depressing that <laughs> the frequency with which we have to watch these <laughs> so anyway these guys go to rob the place rip ain't having it uh, probably should have just let them rob it because the amount of damage Rip does to this woman's diner is way more than they would have left with. Oh, yes. Th- this is a classic, the cure was worse than the disease situation. Because <laughs> He just destroys everything in this place and everyone cheers him at the end. And then Samantha <laughs> looks around like, hey, this guy could be something. <laughs> oh, he's now a crime fighter. <laughs> Now we get to a hotel. Oh, Rip. Maron. <laughs> oh, Maron me. I can't. You're going to have to. Ah, oh, this hotel scene. So first of all, this might be the worst hotel I've ever seen, which I'm not sure what's happening here. If Rip is like this big, you know, important TV star, we have an account executive. Somehow they can only find a hotel with one room. And with one bed. Of course, one bed. Yeah. <laughs> Rip definitely pulled some strings behind the scenes to make this happen. Oh, yeah, no. Rip was being a real creep. This yeah. is what's happening here. 100%. This v- hotel room scene is mostly just two people brushing their teeth. Yeah, it's so so much teeth brushing. And and during this time, Hogan is, or Rip, it doesn't matter, same person, is setting <laughs> up like your standard 1980s sitcom partition through the, yeah. through the room. You know, you stay on your side, I'll stay on my yeah. side. It's the kind of thing I do to keep my kids apart when they're fighting. <laughs> so they they go to lay in bed. Obviously, she doesn't like him, and he's upset that she doesn't like him. Because, yes. you know, that's the 80s. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. We have the scene where she has fallen asleep, but then woken up by what she believes to be sex stuff going on in the in the same bed as her. Yeah. The... On the other side of the partition. Yeah, the bed is shaking violently. And she peeks around to see Rip. Working out in the tightest, smallest pair of pink underwear, ass in the air, just doing push-ups with his feet on the bed. Okay, okay. I'm going to stop you right here. Buckle up, because we got about 40 minutes of stuff to talk about right now. (laughs) When she peeks through, the camera gives us like a forced perspective, and it's the heels of his feet above the bed. But it's meant to look like, I guess, his ass cheeks. Is that accurate? I mean, I I suppose so, which would make no sense to a rational human being. No. So so that alone is already what well, I I mean, I rewound it six times because I needed to understand what they wanted us to think it looked like. Then, you know what, Rip? You're an asshole. What are you doing? You can do push-ups on the floor. Why are your feet on the bed when there is a woman sleeping on the other side? You're a 300-pound man. You don't think that's going to disturb her? And he's mad. Yeah. And then when she's like, excuse me, I'm trying to sleep here. First of all, how did she fall asleep that quickly when he was still awake? Unrelated. But then she says to him, like, or she gives him, like, a look, like, oh, man, I'm trying to sleep. And he's like, hey, fuck you. I need to do my push-ups. What are you doing? (laughs) Asshole. (laughs) 
Uh, this scene's not over yet, everyone, because <sighs> now Rip goes to bed, and in doing so, his giant girth destroys the bed, and she rolls through the partition on top of him. Yeah, and he starts making light of it. First of all, he dropped his body on this like it was the leg drop. So that's not how you get into bed, dumbass. And then he gets angry about it. So she's like, this is uncomfortable. You, I mean, he's broken the bed, so now they can't sleep anywhere, right? I mean, nope. this, was the, this was the only room in the hotel. And he thinks it's funny. It's not. You've ruined everything. And the fact that she doesn't think it's funny, he gets so upset about this. And I wish I would have wrote down this exact line because it is him trying to say something. Yes. But, but what the fuck are you talking about, Rip? The film wants us to think that this is all her fault somehow, which it's not. Full no, stop. not at all. Not at all her fault. He was being creepy, and then he broke everything. <laughs> and, and of course, this ends with a shot of Samantha looking so upset like she did something wrong, because right. this movie is ridiculous. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's... Well, good thing is the next scene is Brill smacking her, because evidently she was on his payroll to seduce Rip. Didn't understand any of that. Where the fuck did that come from? No idea. No idea. They were on a business trip. Now she's suddenly back in the original place they were. She's a double agent. Why? She gets slapped. That's bizarre. It's just, I didn't under, this all made no sense. Nope. Evidently, bro wanted her to seduce him, but she didn't because she likes him. Yeah, she says to Brill... I can't do this. He's a really nice guy. Based on what? He's been terrible to her. Except for that one thing where he <laughs> rescued the, the diner patrons from certain doom. Aside from that, he's been pretty bad. So she runs out after getting backhanded by Brill. It's very uncomfortable. Don't worry. It's not the last time this is uncomfortable. It's this so, so bad. She runs to Rip Manor and pours her heart out to him. Sitting Rip on Manor. the front. Weren't they on a business trip, Kramer? Why are yes. they all home now? Did they ever? What? Was the business completed? What is what's happening? Ten my days. Note, Ten my days or two hours. <laughs> my note at this point, this collection of scenes, is that these scenes are all so random and that the film is legitimately spinning out of control. <laughs> it, it cannot find its center anymore. It is, it's like a top winding off a table. It's just no concept of what's happening. <laughs> So I'm glad our show is matching that energy right now. <laughs> We're only about 20 minutes into the movie, folks. Yep. <laughs> she, so she's sitting on the floor with Rip, telling him everything about that, that she's a double agent and she's been working for Brill. And Rip sees that she's got a bruise on her face. He's upset. But that doesn't last very long, and they start making out and laughing about it. <laughs> and by not very long, I mean... Maybe about 60 seconds. Right. Yep. So they're in love now. Uh, their makeout <laughs> sesh is completely interrupted by Zeus appearing on TV. <laughs> and Zeus is on TV now telling Rip that he wants to fight him. Uh, Zeus, great actor. He's just looking off in the distance all the time, never at the camera. I feel so bad for Lister, too, because he was a pretty good actor. But yeah. in all they let him do in this is scream and hush his name and stuff. It's really bad. Yeah, they give him nothing. But, like, honestly, he's good in things. And we can talk about Hogan now if you want. We I've seen a lot of Hogan's work, obviously. We've done him on this show before as well. He's not. He's never a good actor, but he's never as bad as he is here. He is just so monotone and wooden in this movie. 
everything is clearly like first take. I'm going to read this. Like it's none of the natural stuff. Like we saw him in Three Ninjas. He was kind of fun in that, actually. It, it's bizarre because even he doesn't have the energy he has in his own promos. Right. He was such a fish out of water in this. It's just bizarre. Our next scene is now we're at some kind of community event. I'm guessing in this alternate reality, the president's physical fitness program has been <laughs> replaced by the Rip Fit Challenge. I don't know. It's just a field of children working out. This is one of his charities. You didn't catch the name of this event, Kramer? Oh, I didn't see it. Okay, the name of this event, and this is on screen, is called Rips Sports for Kids. <laughs> well, Sports man. for Kids. So you're telling me this movie wasn't written in two days? <laughs> Rips Sports for Kids. Uh, what should we call it? Uh, Rips Sports for Kids, brother. Okay. That does that doesn't even make sense. Sports for kids. What does that even mean? <laughs> it's not, it doesn't make sense. Do kids not play sports unless Rip tells them to? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, luckily, this field of like 500 kids and three adults is thrown into chaos because out of nowhere, a helicopter arrives, lands in the middle of this field, and Brill, his sidekicks, and Zeus exit the helicopter... March over to Rip. Zeus challenges him. They stare at each other, <laughs> growl, and then Zeus leaves. Yeah. <laughs> well, don't worry. It's not over yet for the Rip the Rip family because we go to the next Zeus fight where Randy and his friend, who I don't even know if he has a name. I'll call him Chad. <laughs> he does look like a Chad. Are at a Zeus fight that's in a... I don't know what the fuck this place is. A parking lot? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. They're, they're going there for like for like recon. What the fuck are you doing, idiots? <laughs> so yeah, well, clearly you don't need it because every one of Zeus's fights have been on TV. So I don't know where yeah, you're going. You don't need to do this shit. You, and they go and they go there really undercover. Both of them wearing rip em t-shirts. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> they try to run away. They from I don't even know why they're running. They run into Kurt Fuller, knock him over, and then tell Kurt Fuller that this is Rip's brother. That's a bad idea. Why would you do that? Then proceeds to Fuller having security bring these two people to Zeus so Zeus can beat Randy into being a paraplegic. Randy, Randy, not a large man, Zeus, giant man. So we just know right now that Randy's been beat up, not to the what extent, but the next scene is Rip arriving at Zeus's gym. You could tell because there's a giant neon Z on the wall. It's the 80s. Everyone had neon with their names. So so again, <laughs> how long has Zeus been a megastar that he has his own Zeus-themed gym? <laughs> this has got to be five years, right? <laughs> to build a gym? <laughs> or three and a half days. <laughs> So Rip is in this uh, gym. He's tearing it apart. Of course, he's still dressed like a pirate. <laughs> he's just breaking everything. He's being taunted by like a recording of Kurt Fuller that is like bra supposed to brainwash Zeus. I think it's a yeah, weird it's thing like, going on there. It's like it's like Rocky Four. Basically, it's just motivating Zeus like like Drago is motivating. Yeah, and so. And what might be my favorite part of this movie? This is so crazy. <laughs> Rip walks into a room covered in mirrors because I guess Zeus's gym is also a dance studio. 
hat. It looks like a ballet studio. <laughs> yeah. And he turns and he sees Zeus standing and like scrunched over a little bit, kind of like when you play sh- like a, a fighting game and they're yes. in that pause motion. It's it's character and select. He's, yeah, he's clearly standing there. It's him. This man was filmed for this. Rip runs at it and breaks a mirror because it was just a projection. <laughs> Why? Why did they have that set up? What was the point? <laughs> it is up there with the classic Hogan seeing the warrior in the mirror on Nitro. It's or that the, dumb. Uh, or the <laughs> this water. It's not hot. <laughs> Why? I, so Kurt Fuller spent all this money to build two-way mirrors with a projector behind them. Why? And Kurt Fuller and his lackeys are watching this live feed. Like it's entertainment. Why? Why are they doing any of this stuff? <laughs> this this projection was created just for the hopes that at some point Rip might show up and this will be a real good laugh for everybody. <laughs> it makes me wonder how many other things he set up around town that didn't pay off. Did he hire those diner bank robbers? Maybe he did. I don't know. There's other Zeus-based businesses that he was thought. There's Zeus's coffee shop, Zeus's one-hour photo. <laughs> just, you know, they're just in case Rip chooses to go there. All of them, they have hologram Zeus's, just so you know. Oh, man. So, all right, we've trashed this place. Rip has, I guess, accepted the challenge at this point. Nothing matters. <laughs> Kramer, Kramer, can I ask you a serious question? <laughs> yes, of course. That's what this is, a podcast about serious questions. What exactly are the stakes of this movie? You know, in Cosmic Sin, they were trying to stop a war. In Resurrection of Gavin Stone, he was trying to save his eternal soul. What are the stakes of this movie? Who gives a shit about any of this? <laughs> There's people getting kidnapped and killed and and assaulted and <laughs> property damage. What are the stakes? What does it matter? Um, rip them. That's all I could say. <laughs> so now Rip goes from here to the hospital to visit Randy, who we have now learned can't move from the neck down. Yeah, he's he's got a neck brace on. He's in a in a bed. He's got bruises all over his face. I don't know yep. why I'm laughing. I just think because it looks absurd. <laughs> no, you know why you're laughing? Because Rip is in. Skin tight blue, like bright sky baby blue. blue. It's baby blue, yeah. Yep, baby blue. He's got the the bandana tight as fuck. He's got his. He's not even wearing pants. Just so you know, it is full wrestling tights. Yes. And this is where Rip, over top of Randy, begins to cry. <laughs> Whole crying is great. Hogan is struggling so hard with emotion in this. Yeah. Scene. Yeah, he does. I don't think he quite has the range for this yet. No, there is no way these were real tears. He had to have rubbed something in his eye because this is wow. Yep. We hear that in two weeks on the World Television Network, Rip will be facing Zeus. So now there's a montage of Zeus getting ready for this fight, and almost all of his workouts are rowing based. So I don't know if he's <laughs> taking on the I don't know if he's taking on the Winklevoss twins, but this is what we're doing. <laughs> And Hogan's part of this montage is him helping Randy through rehab. Yes, and it's and it's and it's so bad. 
So Randy is sitting and he's, you know, trying to move his feet and stuff. And Hogan's saying, come on, Randy, you can do it, brother. And then there's there's this one where they're lowering Randy into like a star shaped tub for some reason. <laughs> he's on like a gurney that would be lowered from a helicopter and they're lowering him into like a bath or of something. And it's all these like, you know, medical professionals. They got the scrubs on and everything. And then it's Hogan in his spandex outfit also <laughs> helping. <laughs> So two weeks have passed. Um, it's going to be Zeus versus Rip. We arrive at the World Television Network, which I guess everything takes place in this one building. And um, Samantha is immediately kidnapped. What the fuck? <laughs> why did they? But why? Again, why would they do this? The match is happening. Why are we still harassing Samantha? <laughs> yeah, everything they want is happening. I, I, I just I don't understand any of it. Why bother? They just kidnap her. She's dressed up for this event, which is also something I'm going to talk about. And they put her in, like, their boardroom. And they don't even really watch her. She's just kind of sitting on a couch. What is going on? No, and what's even, like, just as amazing, she arrives with Randy, who's in his wheelchair, Randy's girlfriend, who is not an actual person, I don't believe, at this point. (laughs) She might be a Zeus-level hologram. I don't know. (laughs) She was also hired by uh, Kurt Fuller. (laughs) And, And his buddy Chad. (laughs) <laughs> and they literally kidnap Samantha while she is with these people. They see yeah. her get kidnapped. Correct. And the three of them still just go to the show like nothing happened. Right. They go to this show, which, again, the Battle of the Tough Guys TV show has been in, like, you know, car manufacturing plants and everything. But this one, <laughs> they've built a ring. It's an octagon, which is weird. <laughs> they have a crowd there, and they're all dressed as though they're going to their senior prom. They're all wearing tuxedos and gowns. Samantha's in this green sequins outfit. What the fuck is this? The the movie is called No Holds Barred. This is the main event of the film, and it is the least No Holds Barred fight of the entire movie. (laughs) There are so many holds. (laughs) So many holds. It's just like everyone is dressed. It's mind boggling. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) So during this brilliant calls Rip and tells him to take a dive or he'll put Samantha in a matching wheelchair. Does anyone want to call the police? Anybody? And why? Wouldn't the rate, even if Rip wins, wouldn't the ratings be great? What is, why is a TV guy? He's now just like an evil supervillain. <sighs> so as you said, this takes place in an eight-sided ring that would eventually be stolen by TNA. Correct. <laughs> Sort sort of a neat visual thing. They don't. They, of course, they don't use it. Of course not. It means nothing. There's no reason for it to be in this eight sided ring. Whatever. Zeus arrives in the most ridiculous outfit a human has ever worn. He has <laughs> shoulder pads that are no lie five feet in each direction. <laughs> yep. Uh, they're all metal and stuff. <laughs> it's so dumb. And the match begins. Zeus is kicking Rip's ass uh, in part because Rip can't really fight back. Uh, It doesn't really matter because while Samantha is in this penthouse, she escapes easier than anything has ever happened. She just gets up and leaves. She just kind of walks slowly and no one notices. That's it. Nope. (laughs) That's it. Nope. Also during this time, there was a scene where uh, Chuck, Charles, I'm sorry, the the ring guy, goes to find her. He doesn't. (laughs) I don't know where he went, but <laughs> Rip tells him to go find her. He never does. 
<laughs> so that guy's getting fired, I hope. No, he's probably also a Kurt Fuller spy. <laughs> Everyone, Randy is Kurt Fuller's spy, the ultimate swerve. At the end of the movie, he stands up. <laughs> so this fight's going on. Zeus removes the entire ring post from one corner, tries to stab Rip through the chest with it. Sure. Um, Rip is beat up. He can't see. He's, he's blurry. Uh, Samantha makes it to the ringside. At the same time, Randy moves a finger, which somehow Rip sees. I don't know how that's possible. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't seem likely. And this is where Rip is like, I can start fighting back. <laughs> so we get Rip's big comeback. He hits his uh, running double axe handle. This is where Zeus just loses his shit and then, like, attacks Randy, starts throwing people in the audience like they're yeah. fucking missiles. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They fight up the stairs to the control room where Kurt Fuller, Brill, is uh, above the ring. Uh, they fight up to the control room. During this time, Brill has gone insane. Like, he's unhinged. Yeah, he's snapped, yeah. He's just yelling and destroying the control room. He's wiped out the TV signal at this part. He's gone against <laughs> everything he cared about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they get up top. Rip sends Zeus crashing from the second level with his running uh, double axe handle, to which Zeus lands in the middle of the ring that implodes. It, it's actually kind of a fun stunt. <laughs> it's kind it of is cool. fun. Yeah. Uh, Zeus is dead because he has a little bit of blood running out of his mouth, which is the signal in a movie that doesn't have blood that somebody died. That's correct. So that's that's pretty dark, huh? <laughs> yep. Uh, and then... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. <laughs> Rip you turns around, focuses on Brill. He throws a chair through the window of the control room, which causes Brill to fall backwards into an electronic electrical panel. And as he's about to be electrocuted, gives out one final, stay away, you jockass, <laughs> and dies of electrocution. Yep. <laughs> This movie is strangely violent at the very end. <laughs> so it's a people cartoon, and then dying. people are getting offed. Just straight murdered. There's a man bleeding out with internal injuries in the middle of a ring. <laughs> the room is filling with the smell of burnt flesh from Kurt Fuller yelling <laughs> jockass as his last fucking words. And then the movie just ends on a still, a still of Hogan. <laughs> doing doing the rip'em. <laughs> doing the rip'em. That's it. Yep. That's how this movie decides to end. That's it. Maybe Randy learned to walk again. I don't know. We don't even really know if Hogan gets the girl because she might be going to jail. She was complicit <laughs> in a lot of this carnage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, I always watch the, the cast list. The uh, <laughs> My only note about the credits for this movie is that it says cast in order of appearance. And then the cast is not listed in order of appearance, which I just thought was funny. <laughs> it's, just, it's it's cast in order of appearance, and then it's just cast in their like importance order because Samantha gets second billing, but she wasn't in the movie the first half hour. So no. Oh God, I'm glad I didn't notice that. I also, it's a little bit of a credit thing. The music in this movie was done by Jim Johnston. Yeah, I had that notice. Who as well. is the famous WWF music guy? Yeah. Some of it is actually okay, and some of it's terrible. The song at the end is amazing. It's called No Holds Barred, of course. Of course it is. It's very much like our episode in Body Slam, where I actually recited the lyrics to you. But it's a similar <laughs> type song. It's great. Ignorance is bliss. 
Now it is time for Ignorance is Bliss. And never has that statement been more true than for No Holds Barred. Uh, this is where we ask people what they thought the movie is about. They only know the name and the wrestler, and uh, you guys know how it works. So we got it. We got a we got a bunch of entries. Uh, this is a pretty famous bad movie, not just a famous bad wrestling movie, but none of the people that submitted seem to have seen it. So that's good for us. <laughs> so first we have from Brand in uh, Washington. He likes to make make up actual crazy plots for the movies. Here's what he had: in a world where no one is allowed to physically touch each other. Lonely taxi driver Brett Bradford (laughs) longs for the days of his youth and the warm embrace of friends and family. When a passenger tells him about a recent vacation to a remote island where real-world restrictions are removed, Brett succumbs to the allure and books a flight. Upon arrival, the island resort owner, Mr. Park, played by pro wrestling superstar Hulk Hogan, promises Brett that the island will provide him all the touch he can handle. Only there's one bizarre catch. <laughs> so I don't even know what that movie is. <laughs> that that's more confusing than the actual movie we watch. <laughs> I know I'm thrown off because I thought Hogan was the cab driver. No, no, that that's the swerve. It's the <laughs> he's not playing Brett Bradford. He's playing Mr. Park. <laughs> so. Honestly, do you think we could kickstart where we could back all of these films for him to make them? Because this man might be a genius. <laughs> I, I mean, I need to see at least a spec script on that because I don't know what where that one is headed. We also got a submission from Tim. He obviously at least knows who the wrestler is, which is not surprising. He wrote in the Hulkster after suffering a career ending tear of the quadratus lumborum muscle. <laughs> tries to restart his life as a call center phone operator. Hold time skyrocket, and after refusing... (laughs) And after refusing to go through a humiliating pit process, he is forced to battle security and upper management in order to exit the building with his dignity and gallbladder intact. (laughs) So there's some medical stuff in this one. I don't know if the quadratus lumborum is an actual muscle, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the swerve where no holds barred is about phone calls that was that's genius and of course kramer i spoke to my father so uh, why don't we listen to that together and uh we'll, we'll get your thoughts afterward hey dad hello chris so today's movie is called no holds barred and it stars hulk hogan what do you think this one's about well, the Hulk is definitely the main character. He's too big of a, a character to not be the main character. Okay. No holes barred. Um, I would say he's like a vigilante <laughs> that uh, helps people out that are uh, in trouble. Some, something like the Equalizer. Okay. So you said a vigilante. Is he a costume vigilante? Is he a superhero of some kind? Or do you think just a, just a, a do-gooder who stays in the background i think he's just the do-gooder that stays in the background but he he, he comes he comes here he, he helps people that have been um, either in trouble or uh, you know were uh, victimized somehow okay the name of the movie is no holds barred what do you think that ties into the plot well he he goes after the uh, people with a vengeance and doesn't hold back at all so you think it's a reference to his style of uh Sort of handing out justice. Yes. <laughs> so, so as always, there's a lot to unpack there. 
So clearly, your father has just watched the hit CBS series, <laughs> The Equalizer, starring Queen Latifah. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I think we are. I think we're seeing that it, it's one of those the, the last person that spoke to him. That's what he thinks the movie is about. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I'm also pretty sure that he thought I said the movie was called No Holes Bard. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad he didn't answer that one. <laughs> he also um it, it speaks to sort of his blind spot for wrestling performers where he still thinks Hulk Hogan is the biggest name in wrestling, so he has <laughs> to be the main character. Incidentally, he's correct, but he it's because he knows who Hulk Hogan is, so of course Hulk Hogan is the star of the movie. <laughs> I'm also pretty sure that my father has seen this movie and <laughs> and this is still I think I watched it with him a long sure time ago <laughs> so <laughs> well it's time to make sure we drive home this movie's importance and what we really think about it using the three count so first question is it a wrestling movie so it is a wrestling movie, but it's also kind of bizarre that the hook of the movie is that it's a wrestling movie where no one wrestles. <laughs> I mean, it's just wrestlers, like, sort of bare-knuckle fighting. <laughs> there's no really... Yeah. The, the only wrestling moves that Hogan does... I mean, yeah, there's that match with Axe at the beginning, but in that fight where they were going to murder him <laughs> on the docks, he does, like, pick up some people and do body slams, but all of the the wrestlers who interact with each other don't actually wrestle. They just punch each other. <laughs> Um, I agree. This is a wrestling movie. In fact, I'm going to say it is the wrestling movie. Yes, it is. Mainly because if you don't know, if you're not a, if you are one of the few that listen to this that are from the movie side of things, this went beyond the movies, everyone. This became an actual on TV storyline where Zeus was fighting Hogan in the WWF. Yes, he, they, they main evented a pay-per-view. <laughs> they main evented a pay There is a show literally called No Holds Barred, The Match Slash The Movie. Yes. You had to sit through this to watch one match afterwards. <laughs> yep. You had to watch this movie on pay-per-view just to see Hulk and Brutus the Barber Beefcake take on Zeus and Randy Savage inside a steel cage. And, and, and not only that, he made a career out of this for a while. He was in WCW as Z-Gangsta. That is correct. When Hogan went he over was, there. Yep. 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 And he went to Japan and wrestled for all Japan as well. Like this man had a weird side like career as a wrestler out of nowhere. Yeah. So this is definitely a wrestling movie. Is it a good movie? It is a terrible movie. It is just, just terrible. It's not one of those that we, we watch a lot of bad movies and some of them aren't even movies. We talk about like pro wrestlers versus zombies. It's not even really a movie. This is a movie. It's just the worst. Uh, my note for this one is nope, all capital letters. <laughs> that that is correct. <laughs> and moving on. Yep. <laughs> Where on the card is this movie, Chris? Kramer, you've done it. This is a main event level movie. It's awful. It's not good. But it's so crazy. It's a must watch. It's the reason that our show exists, basically. 
it's the prototype for why people think wrestlers can't be good actors, basically, even though Hogan did other movies. And now we have decent actors who actually make real movies like Dave Bautista and, and The Rock. This is whenever someone says, oh, a wrestler in a movie, it's because of this movie. People saw this movie. This movie was even a little bit profitable, <laughs> believe it or oh, not. Yeah. So it is a main event level movie. You've done it. And with that being said, this is a rare occasion where we agree. That's right. <laughs> There's no other option. Because I also, I also believe this is a main event movie because as you said quite well, this is the wrestling movie that everyone knows. Like, yep. this is the one that they are all unfortunately measured against. <laughs> yeah. uh, luckily that it's hard to find now, so hopefully people will forget about that. But those who know that were there that lived this time <laughs> <laughs> this is the wrestling movie. There are no others. Body yeah. Slam came before this, but I didn't see Body Slam until way after this. Oh, of course. No, definitely not. I mean, and again, that was because that was a like real movie with wrestlers. This is right. only a wrestling thing. Now that we've established all the most important things, it's time to have a little fun. Because this show couldn't be any longer, can it? <laughs> well, it will be. <laughs> it's now time for the swerve. This is the swamp. This movie was actually released in theaters, which is a rarity for this show. Yeah. So for the swerve, we are going to play a game that I have completely stolen from another podcast. Oh, boy. But I'm changing the name. So it's our sharpshooter to the blank check podcast, Scorpion Deathlock. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm unfamiliar with this show, but, but okay. The name of this game is The Pay Window. Okay. I am going to give you little clues about the other movies that were in theaters the weekend this movie came out, and I'm oh, going to wow. want you to guess what that movie is. Okay, sure. You should be good at this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was young, but I was young, but... Yeah, but you're a nerd, so... Yeah, that's true. So this movie opened, shockingly, at number two in the box office. It yep. made just under $5 million. I, I didn't realize that this movie actually did that well. I thought this was like complete bomb out the the story is that vince self-financed this and that he basically broke even so it wasn't a hit but it also didn't lose money like most movies do no so anyway i'm going to give you the films that were up against it the top 10 you tell me if you know the movie so it's the other nine movies correct all right this is great go ahead coming in at number 10 this is one of the all-time great sports comedies where a mix of rookies and a burnt-out vet overcome the odds. The sequel would have a cameo by a former Movie Marks alumni. Well, the, the first one stars a multiple-time Movie Marks alum, Corbin Burnson, and that is Major League. That is correct. You know what's You're funny? Gonna... I Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be good at this. You know what's funny? I saw Major League in theaters with my parents, which is an R-rated movie, but they wouldn't let me see No Holds Barred, I think. Because oh, Major that's... League is rated R because of cursing, and they didn't care about right. cursing. So. No. The 80s were great. I saw nothing but R-rated movies as a child. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, a... Die Hard was my favorite movie when I was six. <laughs> the, the funniest part is that back then, R-rated movies were marketed towards small children. Like, I had Terminator toys. Terminator toys. <laughs> I, have, I, I have original Matchbox Freddy Krueger action figures. <laughs> yes. Think about that. <laughs> Uh, it was a it was a simpler time. Oh yeah. 
Coming in at number nine, it was the 80s, so you know there would have to be a Stephen King film on this list. This one co-stars a classic TV sitcom star as a neighbor with a warning. Sometimes dead is better. Well, that would be Herman Munster in Pet Cemetery. Correct. Number eight at the box office. It was the summer of dog and cop buddy movies. <laughs> it was in full swing. This one also stars someone from a film we've covered. <laughs> um, is it Turner and Hooch? It is not Turner and Hooch. God. Which means your only other option was K-9 starring oh. Jim Belushi. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that makes me annoyed. <laughs> I'm glad it's going to bother you the rest of the day. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Number seven, this box office comedy. It stars a Hollywood <laughs> tough guy who must protect a woman who has stolen counterfeit money from her white supremacist husband. Wait, what? <laughs> this money was kept inside the titular vehicle that the movie is named after. Wow. It's a comedy? Yes. Would you like me to tell you who's in it? It'll help. Sure. Clint Eastwood, Bernadette Peters. Oh, man. I think I... I th oh, I'm not going to be able to pull the name. No, I don't not. know the name. No, I, know, I, I think I've seen the poster, but I don't know the name. I'm sure you have. Pink Cadillac is its name. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that was the plot of the movie. Yep, that's a plot. <laughs> that movie, I don't know why. I saw that movie a lot as a kid. I don't know why... If it was like one of those afternoon HBO movies and we it, were, you know, we're a little rich family, so we had HBO in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep it going with number six. This movie has a, I don't know if co-stars necessarily the name, but he's in it. <laughs> Somebody who is we've also covered on our show uh, in an early episode. And it has one of the all-time great, in my opinion, throat rip scenes in cinema history. What movie? I mean, I'm just going to... I'm going to say that it's Predator, right? It is not Predator. It is Roadhouse. <gasps> oh. Roadhouse, which also had Terry Funk in it. Yeah, that's right. And has the great fight scene where he rips out the man's throat with the move that he promised he would never use again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you're definitely not getting this next one because I didn't even know this was a real movie. Number five. I've never heard of this movie until today. It stars Keith or Sutherland. Lou Diamond Phillips, and Jamie Gertz, and it's about a Native American who teams with the police to steal back an ancient tribal lance. I was going to say Young Guns once you had uh, Kiefer and uh, Lou Diamond Phillips in there, but yeah, I do not. Uh, young Guns. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Young Guns, though it is the only other movie that opened on this weekend. Uh, all these other movies were already in theaters. It's called Renegades. I mean, it vaguely familiar, the name, but I, wow. All right. Number four at the box office this weekend. It is probably the all-time father-son sports film. It features one of the great speeches in film history, and my father cries about it every time he sees it. <laughs> um, so there were a ton of sports movies in the 80s. I mean, is it Field of Dreams? It is Field of Dreams. Okay. I was going to go with The Natural, but... This is a loaded weekend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, was this a summer movie? No, it's June, so... Oh, wow, yeah. Wow, so that's, yeah. that's wild that they... This this movie probably would have made a ton of money if they put it out in, like, January. Oh, no, you know, they were... They the balls to put this out in, yeah. <laughs> in the summer. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's classic Vince there. 
This one is really great. I'm, I'm excited about this one now. You ready? Number three shares half a title with a film we've covered, and it stars two of the all-time great funny men, as well as the female lead of our film today. Yes, I already know this one. <laughs> See no evil, hear no evil. <laughs> yes, it came out the same weekend. Well, the same time. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's wild. I, I No Holds Barred was filmed much earlier, right? Uh, yeah, I think it's one of those things they didn't know what to do with. <laughs> yeah, so that's probably why. But yes, that's great. Obviously, we know what the number two film was. But number one, in its second week at theaters, is an epic film, a classic, starring two of the all-time great leading men in film history. I think I know what it is, but let's see if I'm wrong. It's Batman, right? It is not Batman. It was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Oh, wow. Which I know I saw in theaters. I Yeah, I don't know if I did see that in theaters, actually. I, I might have. It's funny. That movie always feels like a 90s movie to me. Oh, yeah, it does. It, yeah, it's I one agree. of those. The same like with Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters 2 does not feel like it came out in the 80s. No, that weird 88 to like 91-ish time frame is so bizarre because you had the 80s movies that felt like they came out in the 90s, but then you had 90s movies that felt yeah. like they were filmed in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, like 1986 they were filmed. <laughs> yeah, like some of the weirdest, we don't know what we're doing yet. I like that game. We'll, we'll have to give credit to the, the show that we stole it from. Yeah, we won't, though. They're a much bigger show than us. They could care less. Okay, but have you ever heard of the concept of riding coattails? <laughs> we're not above that. Well, I mean, that's that's why you have me on the show. <laughs> so you did pretty well there. You got... Uh... Most of them, you didn't. You didn't dookie yourself, so you should be proud of that. <laughs> not, not as far as you know. <laughs> oh man, it's been a long show. I've definitely dookied. <laughs> well, I dookie. think uh, I, Fuck. I think we've done the job for no holds barred, Sacco. What, what I'm... is, the, what is, the, no, stop. What is the, what is? How did that scene resolve? Because that scene just ends. <laughs> with, with Rip looking at this guy who shit himself, and we don't know how it ends. <laughs> he just walks I would away. Like, I would like to think he just like he felt bad that this grown man just shit himself. He then just put him down. He had that guy drive him because he had to get to that meeting. So he was still wearing the same outfit. Did, he did, bought him a new pair of pants. <laughs> There's a whole nother movie. Well, if this had worked out, No Holds Barred 2, More Holds Barred, would have starred Revenge of the Pants Shitter. It would have been a whole thing. The the movie is not even a no holds barred match at the end. You notice that, right? They don't even say that, right? They don't even they don't even fucking say that. Ah, oh, I'm go. Sorry, go ahead. Do the thing. Do the thing. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> well, I think we've done the job for no holds barred. It was painful, and God, it's a nightmare. Uh, Sacco, I'm sorry. Whatever you pick is not going to live up to this film. So, just tell us what you got for our next movie. Well, Kramer, we're going from dookie to some holiday cheer because <laughs> the calendar has officially turned to December, and that means it's time to watch some festive stuff. <laughs> but as our listeners know, I only pick movies that help me reveal a little bit about the inner workings of my co-host mind. So here's a fun fact that our listeners might not know. Kramer's favorite episode of this very podcast is the main event the family comedy about a super-powered luchador mask. <laughs> and he really wants you to go check it out in the archives. But as a special treat to him, I've selected a holiday movie starring one of the wrestlers that was in the main event. So we'll be kicking off our Winter Wonderland Spectacular with 2015's Santa's Little Helper, 
starring The Miz and Paige. Ooh, we're double dipping. It's it's the holidays, man. We gotta give we gotta give gifts. Oh, I'm excited for that. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. That does it for us here. You can subscribe to our show uh, wherever you're listening right now. If uh, you have suggestions for movies we should cover, you want to contribute to Ignorance is Bliss about Santa's Little Helper with The Miz and Paige. If you want to find out how to send us stuff so you can give Kramer a copy of the movie, you can email us at themoviemarks at gmail.com. You can follow us on social media, Instagram, movie.marks, Twitter, movie underscore marks. Um, we'll probably, I mean, we have to put up what? Hogan, some of Hogan's outfits. Uh, the outfits, the dookie. Uh... I don't know. I don't know. That will definitely get us banned from Instagram. <laughs> Hologram Zeus. Oh God, it's the uh, the feet when he's doing the push-ups that are supposed to look like an ass. I don't. Uh, <laughs> this this wow, this movie is is nuts. Um, yeah, that's gonna be on the Instagram. Check it out. We're still actively seeking corporate sponsorship. I mean, I, I don't even. I mean, I guess I don't know. If Kurt Fuller wants to give us some money, we'll we'll bleep his name from the entire episode. I don't know. <laughs> That's what we should start doing is just holding people in these movies like ransom. For, like... <laughs> that that would be the greatest way to go to prison. Extorting actors who are ashamed of their past work for money. That's <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Until next time, I'm Chris Acko. I'm Chris Kramer. And we're the movie marks. Where are you going? There's a couch in the lobby that has a better sense of humor than you do. Most people only know the easy way. Are you trying to tell me my money's not good enough for you? I find that a little hard to swallow, you jockass! No What's that smell? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs>